The New Testament reading is taken from Matthew 12, verses 1 to 14. At that time, Jesus went through the cornfields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the man, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you has a sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Thanks, Lydia. Oh, good morning, everyone. <coughs> it's really good to see you. Uh, do keep that open in front of you. And let me start off by asking you a question. I wonder if you've ever been taken in by a fake or counterfeit product. Uh, maybe you've been taken in by a, a fake banknote or coin. Uh, maybe you've ordered something on Amazon and what turned up clearly wasn't the real thing. It can be hard to spot the difference sometimes, can't it? Uh, although not in this case. As soon as someone makes a good product uh, or something of value, there's someone else who's willing to make a fake product uh, or counterfeit, isn't there? Whether it's money uh, or jewelry or a bottle of whiskey. In some cases, it doesn't matter too much. I mean, who doesn't love a good uh, Lidl or Aldi copy uh, like NordPak or Danepak? But in some cases, uh, it really matters, doesn't it? Uh, like in the case of money. And in the case of Christianity, uh, knowing what is real Christianity uh, and what is counterfeit uh, or fake Christianity matters more than anything. Because if we get it wrong, uh, we'll lose our peace and our joy, uh, and we might even lose it for eternity. And in our passage today, Jesus shines a light on counterfeit faith. Uh, a bit like those lights which you shine on money that show up fake money. Uh, Jesus exposes fake faith, and he shows us what real Christianity looks like. Uh, so if you're here today and you're just looking into the Christian faith, uh, or maybe starting that journey of faith, uh, listen carefully as to what Jesus says as we look at this passage, uh, to see what real Christianity looks like, uh, and make sure that you don't fall for a fake. And if, like many of us, uh, you're here today and you'd call yourself a, a committed Christian like me, uh, well, this is, this is actually written to you. Uh, to us, uh, because here we see Jesus speaking to the religious people of the day, uh, and so we need to allow Jesus to shine a light on our own faith, to test it. So let's pray before we look at this passage.
Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the light of the world. Thank you that you expose darkness and bring life and light. And so we pray this morning that you would expose any darkness or counterfeit Christianity in our own lives. As we hear your voice through your word this morning, please do that amongst us. Amen. Uh, We're looking at Matthew chapter 12, uh, so do keep that open. Uh, And here in this passage, uh, we see a conflict about the Sabbath, uh, the weekly time of rest. Uh, Imagine the scene that's set in verse 1. It's a Sabbath day, and Jesus and his disciples are are walking through uh, grain fields. Uh, The disciples, as they walk, are feeling a little bit peckish, as you sometimes do. Uh, And uh, so they pick some of the grain to eat. Uh, it was normal for the uh, farmers to leave the edges of the fields uh, for the poor or for travelers, and so they weren't stealing. But the Pharisees, uh, a strict Jewish group, pull Jesus up on it. And they say, look, uh, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Why do the Pharisees ha- have such a problem uh, with them picking grain? Well, let's have a quick think about the Sabbath. Uh, Right back at creation, in the opening pages of the Bible, uh, we see God establish a pattern of resting on the seventh day. Uh, And the fourth commandment uh, commands us not to work on the Sabbath. Uh, But there was debate about what it meant not to work on the Sabbath. Uh, There's very little detail about what that exactly looks like uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, The Israelites are told not to work. uh, They're told not to do business. And they're told not to seek their own pleasure, but instead to delight in the Lord. Uh, but that's about it. And the problem is, uh, as humans, uh, we love clarity and rules and something that we can tick off as done, don't we? Uh, and so over time, uh, oral traditions built up, uh, and there were a huge number of rules and regulations added as to what constitutes work. In these traditions, there were 39 types of work that contravened the Sabbath, uh, including plowing and hunting. Uh, But some of them verged on the ridiculous. Uh, So things like uh, tying a knot, uh, or lighting a lamp, or sewing one stitch uh, were classed as work, and you could be punished for doing them. Uh, Sadly, it's still happening today uh, in the local Orthodox Jewish community where sometimes you'll be asked by someone to come in and turn the light off for them. And so what was given by God as a a purposeful pause uh, to enjoy each week uh, and to rest in God's presence uh, became very different, making much work of not working. And the oral tradition said that there was to be no reaping or winnowing on the Sabbath. Hence the problem with the disciples uh, picking a bit of grain for a snack. And so the Pharisees accused Jesus of ignoring the Sabbath rules and allowing his disciples to do that. So how does Jesus reply to the Pharisees? Uh, And what do we learn about real faith in God uh, or real Christianity from it? Well, let me say at this point that we're going to need to wrestle with this a bit and put some effort in, uh, but it's really worth it, uh, so stick with me. Uh, So what do we learn about real Christianity? Firstly, we see that real Christianity must not be reduced to rules. Uh, Jesus starts off by taking them to the example of David. Uh, But firstly, it's interesting to know what Jesus doesn't say in reply. 
he doesn't go for the most obvious line of argument, does he? I mean, if it was me, uh, I'd have said something like this. Come on, guys. They're just having a snack. Nothing in Scripture says that they shouldn't do that. Uh, And even by your own additional man-made rules, your oral traditions, which say that you shouldn't reap or winnow on the Sabbath, uh, they're not doing anything wrong. I mean, they're not farmers who are working on the Sabbath, reaping or winnowing. They're just having a snack. But Jesus doesn't say that, does he? Uh, Instead, he makes a far deeper point, uh, as he so often does. Uh, Jesus doesn't uh, question their view of the Sabbath. Uh, He questions their whole approach to the law. And he points them to two Old Testament examples. Uh, The first one being David. Verse 3, he says, Have you not read what David did? Uh, In the book of 1 Samuel, you can read about when David and his companions run through the night. uh, They're famished. uh, They're absolutely starving and they're weary. uh, And the only food around is the bread in the tabernacle, the house of God. The priests were to place the bread on a table in the tabernacle each Sabbath. Uh, And only the priests were to eat the bread. But David, uh, after after being on the run, uh, when he's completely famished and his companions are too, begs the priest to let them eat the bread. And in the end, the priest does give them the bread. Uh, He sees that David is is famished. Uh, He has compassion. uh, And he sees David's authority as God's king as well. Uh, The priest broke the letter of the law so as to uphold the spirit of the law. And scripture doesn't say that's wrong. It doesn't condemn it. And so Jesus shows the Pharisees and us that real Christianity must not be reduced to rules. Uh, Not no rules, uh, but not reduced to rules. Jesus is trying to show them that their understanding of scripture isn't good enough. You can't make Christianity just about ticking off rules. You need to understand the spirit of the law, and you also need to see that certain things take precedence. Uh, there's, there's a hierarchy in some ways. Uh, we saw that in the story of David, and uh, we see that in what Jesus says next. Uh, have a look at verse 5. Jesus says, have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? Uh, so as a church minister, uh, I work on a Sunday. And in a similar way, back then, uh, the priests worked on the Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, uh, it's okay that they work on the Sabbath, isn't it? Uh, It's not them making light of the Sabbath or ignoring it. Uh, No, the work of the temple trumps their Sabbath rest because the people are called to worship at the temple on the Sabbath. And now it's important to note that we can't just decide to ignore God's law when we feel like it. Uh, But sometimes we have to decide what takes precedence. So in the case of the priests, the temple demands on them superseded the Sabbath demands. Uh, They honored God by facilitating worship on the Sabbath. Are you still with me? Uh, You need to concentrate. But here we get to the punchline, uh, to the heart of things. Because take a look at what Jesus says next in verse 6. He says this, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Uh, What does he mean? Uh, He means I am here. And I am greater than David. Uh, I am greater than any demands of the temple. Uh, You see, real Christianity knows that Jesus is at the center. 
Uh, Jesus fulfills the whole of the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus is what everything points to. Uh, the sacrificial lambs at the Exodus, uh, they point to Jesus' sacrifice. Uh, the promise of the king in the line of David points to the everlasting king, Jesus. Uh, the temple points to Jesus as the new and true place to worship with God. And the Sabbath, in part, points to Jesus. And so Jesus says to the Pharisees in verse 7, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. Seems a slight twist. What's he, what does he mean by that? What's he talking about? Uh, well, we worked our way through the book of Hosea recently, uh, and the more astute among you might remember that this is a quote from the book of Hosea. Uh, so if you were here, can you remember what, what it was about? What we saw was that the people of Hosea's day were really consistent about the temple rituals and the sacrifices and, and doing all the right ceremonies. But in reality, they were living immoral lives and they were ignoring God. Uh, on the outside, they might have looked healthy, uh, but on the inside, they were spiritually sick. And God says to them, I desire mercy uh, not sacrifice, uh, or it's also translated uh, steadfast love. I desire your love, not your sacrifice. Uh, it doesn't mean that God didn't care about the sacrifices, but without love for him, it meant nothing. Uh, in the same way that uh, a gift from a spouse who is actually being adulterous uh, is completely worthless. Jesus is saying, uh, you Pharisees are the same as the people back then in Hosea's day. Uh, you're obsessing over the Sabbath rules, but ignoring the very one who the Sabbath points to. Uh, and he stood right in front of you. And Jesus spells it out in the next verse, in verse 8. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, Son of Man being a term that Jesus used for himself. Jesus is the one who the Sabbath points to. Jesus is the one who it's all about. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, he is the one who offers true rest. Uh, that's actually what he's made clear uh, just before this passage at the end of Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says in the famous verses, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's no accident that we read of this incident with the Pharisees just after uh, we read of Jesus saying that. Uh, you see elsewhere in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus talks about the yoke of the Pharisees, and he says that it's a heavy yoke. Uh, it means constant striving, trying to prove yourself, trying to keep all the rules and regulations. And Jesus says, no, take my yoke on you. The yoke of the Pharisees doesn't bring rest. Uh, we'll only find rest for our souls in trusting Jesus' righteousness uh, and not our own. Anything else is fake Christianity. It's just superficial. So real Christianity uh, must not be reduced to rules. Uh, we see real Christianity knows that Jesus is at the center. Uh, and more briefly, Jesus shows us that 
Real Christianity serves people doing good. Uh, in verses 9 to 14, uh, Jesus goes into the synagogue, uh, the next scene in this passage, uh, and there's a man with a withered hand, isn't there? Uh, and the Pharisees are still trying to catch Jesus out uh, so they can accuse him of doing wrong. Uh, and so they say, verse 10, uh, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? To which Jesus replies, uh, well, which one of you would pull your sheep out of a pit if it fell into the pit? Uh, the implication being that all of them would. Uh, and so why wouldn't you help a person uh, of much greater value than a sheep? So Jesus says, verse 12, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Uh, and he heals the man's hand. And now Jesus isn't saying that uh, you have to do good on the Sabbath 24-7 uh, or it wouldn't be any sort of rest. Uh, but he's saying it's always lawful to do good to others. And the irony is that we're told that the Pharisees went away and conspired to kill him. Uh, they were faultless in keeping their rules. But they plot evil on the Sabbath against the Lord of the Sabbath rather than doing good. But Jesus does good. Uh, he heals and he transforms. He serves others. What is at the heart of Christianity? Jesus said that the greatest commandment is this, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. If our Christian faith serves ourselves uh, rather than serving God and serving others, uh, it's a fake. And so here's the real challenge uh, as we finish. Is our Christianity the real deal? Uh, are we the real deal as a church family? Because as I said at the start, this passage is kind of directed at people like us. Uh, the religious, uh, the, those who, who go to church every week. Uh, it's not directing at those who love to revel in immoral behavior or who proudly ignore God. Uh, it's directed at those for whom outward righteousness can easily be more important than a living relationship with Jesus. Uh, being at church every Sunday, serving in the children's groups, reading the Bible up front, taking communion once a month, even preaching. Uh, they're all good things. But it's so easy to do them without Jesus being at the center and without serving others, isn't it? Maybe we're more keen to pray in front of others uh, than we are to pray on our own. Uh, maybe we come along every Sunday and talk the talk, uh, but during the week our hearts are far from God uh, and our actions and words wouldn't match up to what we say on a Sunday. Maybe we're constantly tired serving in different ways, but really we're doing it for ourselves, uh, to prove ourselves before others uh, or to make us feel better. Uh, rather than doing it out of a love for Jesus. Here's a helpful picture that I heard the other day. Uh, imagine you have a dead tree in your garden, uh, and someone says to you that they really want an apple tree. Uh, and so you go up to Lidl. Uh, they don't sell fake apples. They sell actually normal apples there. Uh, and um, you buy a whole load of apples, and uh, you take them home, and you staple them to the dead tree in your garden. Now, for the day, uh, that would look pretty good, wouldn't it, on the day that you bought them, 
that were quite a nice looking apple tree in your garden. Uh, but a couple of days later, uh, it would start to rot. Uh, because really it's dead, isn't it? And the apples are unconnected to the tree. And those apples are a bit like our church going uh, or our act of service. Uh, if we're not rooted into Jesus, and if they don't flow out of uh, a love for him, uh, they're rotten, uh, they're fake, all those acts. That's so easily us, isn't it? Uh, this convicts us. Maybe we feel weary of striving uh, or weary of our sin. Uh, if we stopped here, it would be easy to go away beating ourselves up and, and want to try harder uh, to do the equivalent of stapling apples to the tree again. But let's remember what Jesus says just before this passage. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You see, real Christianity rests in Christ and learns from Christ. He is gentle, uh, and he calls us to him. There's a great hymn which speaks of this. It says this, Lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him, and him alone, gloriously complete. O to Jesus' work we cling, for our doing ends in death. All our trust in him alone, and our souls will find their rest. So lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him, and him alone gloriously complete. What a joy that in our sinfulness, uh, in our hypocrisy and fakeness, uh, we can come to Jesus and find rest. Uh, we can look to him as our guide. Uh, we can learn from him uh, as the one who is gentle. Uh, we live as real Christians by looking to Christ uh, each and every day, each and every hour. Uh, we learn of him and we listen to him and we seek to be more like him. He is Lord, and we rest in him, gloriously complete. Let's pray. Father God, we confess that we can so easily be like the Pharisees in many ways. We do Christian things, uh, but we so easily forget you or we have mixed motives, seeking to prove ourselves or feel good about ourselves or to please others. And so often our lives during the week uh, don't match up to what we profess on a Sunday. Father God, we, we don't want to be a church who do things because that's what Christians do. We don't want to be a fake church. We want to be a people who are resting in Jesus, uh, in love with Jesus and filled with the Spirit so that we live like him and for him in his power. Please be at work amongst us to help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.